right, everybody. Welcome to Angel Talk, Reflections of an Ambitious Angel Mom. My name is Philip Kerrigan. I am the executive director of Raise for Rowan. We are the organization that helps families suffering through the loss of a child with funeral cost assistance and emotional support. We have a momless podcast today. Actually, Bryn is on vacation, so we hope her and her family are staying safe out there, avoiding all that chaos. Make sure to wash your hands, Bryn. Uh, we want to make sure you're back here safe and sound. Don't hug strangers, and uh, hopefully you can make it back in one piece. Uh, for everybody else out there who is dealing with the ramifications of the coronavirus and everything that's gone with it, you are in our thoughts. We hope that you can make it through these tough times, and thank you for your continued support of our organization. We are making plans right now for everything we got to do in the next in the next couple months and beyond. But uh, rest assured, folks, we are you're still in good hands. We are still uh, pushing pushing out these podcasts. We are still running our services and our programs, and we're uh, trying to help every family that we possibly can. Uh, for the next month, however, since the mom's gone. The fathers get run of the household, baby. Uh, we are actually doing a special uh, four-week uh, podcast series called Grief and Fatherhood. A part of the reason why we did this was we had a lot of folks kind of approach us and say, hey, do you have many resources for fathers? Oftentimes, they tend to be the uh, folks who are kind of not looked over or passed over, but they become sort of the vessels for how the mother is doing You'll, you'll hear more of that uh, as we talk to some of our guests. So for the next three weeks, we're going to have a set of angel dads come on. They're going to come on the pod, and they're going to tell their stories uh, of their tragedies and how they actually live with their grief every day and how they actually interact with folks who may treat them a little bit differently because they are fathers and because they are men. Uh, this podcast is also going to set the foundation, talking a little bit about how men and women grieve differently. So that is going to be actually today's podcast. Today, we do not have a guest. We're actually just going to go over some of the studies that we've seen in the past about how men and women uh, process their emotions and then how society treats men and women based on some, you know, of some of the old myths about the way men and women process grief. And then starting next week, we have, as I said, three different guests coming in. We're super excited to have three different uh, males, three different fathers who have actually gone through grief themselves and, and, and talk about their experiences. Obviously, starting off fresh, I mean, obviously, men and women uh, process emotion very differently. But the other thing is that our society has sort of historically taught us that the men are supposed to be the tough ones, quote unquote, that we are supposed to be the, quote, rock of the family. And um, this is not necessarily something that's totally incorrect. I mean, you know, men, as we saw, as we will see through a few of these studies and as we when we talk to a few of the fathers that are out there. Men do process things different. Men do not share as much emotionally as women do. Men do not um, talk about their feelings as much as women do. So some of this is just kind of the nature of our biology and how we process things. But some of it is also uh, foisted on us by society. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. You're also going to hear multiple instances from our guests about this exact same thing. Uh, one guest in particular talks about how even today there will be people who come up to him and put their hand on his shoulder and you know look at him and uh, with deep caring in their eyes and ask, how's she doing? The mother. 
Now, of course, we want to know how the mother is doing. We grieve and we pray for mothers and fathers and siblings alike. But what these podcasts are going to focus on is how uh, men deal with their grief. And what we kind of hope to get out of this is if there are any uh, fathers who are out there listening or uh, angel moms who um, want to share this information with angel dads, we would love for you to do that. Maybe it gives you a chance to have a new perspective in terms of when you're having a conversation with an angel father. These are the sort of things that we hope that we can help folks with. So stay tuned for the next couple weeks. It's going to be the Grief and Fatherhood series. To start it off, I want to, this week, I want to try and kind of dive into the, the sort of biological differences and frankly societal differences between men and women. And if you're going to start anywhere, you're going to start with uh, as the development happens, uh, the difference between boys and girls. There's lots of incredible literature and studies that have been done over the years with regards to the difference between boys and girls and how they process their emotions and how they how they you know basically interact with each other. Uh, one study in particular um, was done by the Army Navy Academy. Uh, they recently released an article that highlighted the developmental differences between boys and girls. So we're going to go over a few of those and talk a little bit about how that kind of translates to the way boys interact. And then uh, we'll also talk about, you know, my own personal experience with two boys and a girl and uh, how we see them processing their emotion. So at the very beginning, uh, in males, they discovered that the prefrontal cortex, which is the center of the decision-making in the brain, is still incomplete at age 12. This is about four years later than girls. So, uh, obviously, uh, that's where the, you know, boys touch the stove <laughs> more than girls do from time to time. But it takes a little bit longer for that prefrontal cortex, which helps with decision-making in the brain. It takes a little bit longer for boys to mature that piece. They also have a larger amygdala, which is the center of processing anger and fear. This actually makes males more aggressive. So it is not just you. Boys tend to be more aggressive than girls. That is a biological fact. Another biological fact is that boys talk less. So boys speak their first words later than girls. That is typically a biological fact. The frontal lobe matures later and tends to have less blood flow in the male brain, which causes less verbal communication skills and more risk-taking. And the male corpus callosum tends to be less dense, allowing for connection between hemispheres, which impedes crosstalk that would allow links to form between logical and rational thinking and emotional and metaphysical thinking. This is why everyone always talks about how men are singular-focused and women can be multitaskers, how men um, get more upset when they say can't find the yogurt in the fridge and women can actually do that more calmly, or if you've ever been in an argument with your wife and she says, why are you being so emotional and you don't understand why she's saying that. And this is exactly the reason why, because we don't have that same crosstalk that is happening between the two hemispheres in our brain. So we don't have the deep connection between logical and rational thinking and emotional thinking. One's happening at a time, typically. And that's why you see men sometimes able to handle pressure situations in a different way than women. But that's also why you see when a, when a man tends to be upset, they tend to be aggressively upset. Also, according to studies, the male brain has less oxytocin. 
So it means that males are less motivated biologically to please their parents, teachers, and peers. Males have much more testosterone, resulting in more aggression, competitiveness, self-assertion, and self-reliance. Hence the reason why we see some men retreat when something bad happens. They, they, they have more testosterone, so it, de- it develops that self-reliance. They don't necessarily need, they don't necessarily feel the need to have to go out and talk it out with everybody. But just like with uh, girls, brain rest does matter. When males feel overstimulated or frustrated, there is a marked swelling in their amygdala and anger and aggression center in the brain with significantly higher volume of tissue in males. So that's why that whole idea of men flying off the handle, quote unquote, is oftentimes more seen than women. Um, to kind of give you kind of a summation, you talk about boys tend to be more physical. They tend to be more aggressive. They're more likely to, to roughhouse. They are less communicative and more verbal than girls. They tend to be more impulsive than girls. Girls are more efficient multitasker than boys. Boys are more competitive and assertive than girls. Boys are more mechanical than girls. And boys are stronger than girls physically. Um, These are all biological sort uh, sort of realities that have been released as a result of these studies. One of the things that uh, the author of this particular article said, and this is what he, this is what he says, quote, our boys need us now in ways they have not before. They are being raised in a very complex world, and many of their support systems and developmental frameworks have crumbled. As we bring our passionate attention to boys today and come together to nurture, support, and educate them well, we give a gift not only to them, but to our families, communities, and culture. I hope you will agree that it is time for a coordinated grassroots effort to help our sons. So, uh, yeah, you see, as you can tell, when you're going through the development, and I see it every day with, uh, with my sons and with my daughter, you can tell that their development almost feeds into this idea as they grow up and become men that they are less emotional and they don't need as much attention when it comes to that sort of stuff and and uh, they're more aggressive when it comes to the button pushing and they're tougher. That all develops – that all sort of societal um, – the societal stereotypes, they exist there because of the way the boys developed in the beginning. Maybe it's because we see them developing that way that we go, oh, well, they're fine. I know I do it a little bit with, with my own boys. I think they, they sometimes are tougher than maybe they really are. I also find myself with my uh, oldest son. He's a much more sensitive kid than uh, my middle son. Um, when he becomes emotional, you really have to, as a father, uh, try and sit down with them and tell them that the emotions that they're feeling are okay. It's, in fact, okay to display those emotions. It's okay for them to go through those things and that their friends, even if at that moment their friends do not appear to be going through those emotions, guaranteed those friends are actually going through those emotions as well. It's very important for us fathers who have the capacity to be able to sit down with our sons, with our with our boys, and tell them, um, number one, you're going to be okay with this feeling that you have. It will be okay. It's okay to feel it, and it's okay to process it, and it's okay to display it amongst your peer group. Where you run into trouble is if you tell them to act tough, don't like stop crying, knock it off, you know, 
those sort of different things today, especially in this day and age, just lead to that what they call toxic masculinity, that idea that like a dude can't feel anything and can't say anything. It starts there with, uh, with our kids at that particular age. So yeah, so that's really how it, development really starts, and you can kind of see the seeds of the way society will will treat uh, these um, growing young boys who will turn into young men. Um, you can see how society maybe mistakes the fact that they don't have to have the same emotional attention as women do. So that's really interesting stuff. Okay, well, even though we have no guest, and even though Bryn left the friggin' country on me, and I have to do this podcast by myself, it does not mean that I do not have a special segment. And we are going to do a quote of the day today, because it was a quote I heard uh, earlier last week, actually two weeks ago, and I just really found it, uh, I found it profound at the time, and then a week and a half went by, and we shut down the entire world um, to basically help make sure to stop the spread of this coronavirus, and I just kind of got, kept, it kind of stuck in my head, I kept thinking about it, kept thinking about it, and you know, I feel like it's still a really great quote. This is a quote originally from Kierkegaard, the author. And it was actually said by, uh, of all things, Joe Biden two weeks ago in a, in a random town hall on CNN. He was asked about how his faith uh, drives him on a daily basis. And for those who don't know uh, much about uh, the presidential candidate Joe Biden, he is a gentleman who is an angel father himself, though we, of course, did not help him. Um, he lost his wife and daughter um, uh, when he was first running for Senate in a train accident, of all things. And then, of course, he very publicly lost his uh, old older son, Bo, um, as Bo was an adult at the time, but still he was a father who lost his son to cancer. And he's had a very sort of public um, grieving process with it. And if anything, I think it has actually really helped folks who may be going through some of those things himself. But anyway, he was asked by a uh, by an Episcopalian uh, pastor in South Carolina at a town hall how he uses his faith to basically um, get through the day and, and and help with his help with his own judgment. And he uttered this quote from Kierkegaard, and I thought it was fantastic. He said, and I quote, "Faith sees best in the dark." And that's it. Faith sees best in the dark. And I think there is no question that right now we are going through some fairly dark times. We don't know when things will open back up. Businesses are struggling. You probably know um, many people in your lives who are now wondering how they're going to take care of childcare and healthcare and how they're going to get their how they're going to get their salaries paid for. You may know people who run businesses where they're wondering how am I going to get my payroll? How am I going to pay my staff if we reopen? Will we be okay? All these sort of different things. And then on top of that, you have the reason why they're closed in the first place, which is this very mysterious virus, this very mysterious thing that is affecting people left, right, and everywhere. And you may even get to know some folks who uh, who get sick, and and God help you, hope not. You may even know some folks who, who pass away from the virus. Very dark times. And I think that in, it's in, it is in these times where we can use our faith in what we have faith in to get through it. That's our quote. Faith 
sees best in the dark. And there you go. All right, jumping back into uh, some more conversations surra- uh, surrounding how uh, men and women process emotions differently. We talked a little bit about boys and girls as they're growing up, how they develop. There was another really interesting study done in 2015 by the University of Basel. I'm going to say Basel. It's B-A-S-E-L. If it's wrong, somebody from the University of Basel or Basel or Basel or whatever it is, you know, you can go ahead and uh, and tweet at us or or send us a send us a correspondence. I have no idea about your universities, folks, but they uh, they did an entire study and published it in the Journal of Neuroscience that found that women reacted more intensely to negative images than men. A difference can be that can be seen even when looking at their brains. The new study found. And so we kind of looked at this article and we kind of gravitated toward it because it really definitely hit on some of the some of the different things we see today and it may be the reason why we think that men can just process these things and get get along with it. So they took a total of 3398 men and women ranging from the ages of 18 to 38 and they were shown 72 images of natural scenes that were categorized as positive neutral, or negative. The participants rated how positive, negative, or neutral the images were and then how emotionally stimulated they were by them. The women rated the negative and positive images as having more impact on them than the men did. To test their memories, researchers distracted the participants for 10 minutes and then asked them to recall some of the images they saw. Women uh, outperformed men uh, on freely remembering all types of images. Researchers also looked at the MRI data from 696 of those participants and found that women had more brain activity, especially in motor regions, than men did when they were looking at the negative images. That's very interesting. And this is a quote from, uh, from one of the uh, doctors. Quote, women are more likely to develop major depression, anxiety disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, all of which are related to emotional dysregulation. Really interesting. So I think that's probably why our protective gene kicks in with uh, with angel moms and with mothers who have lost children, is because there is this innate understanding that um, they they take negative imagery and maybe negative consequences or negative things that have happened in their lives, and they're more prone to the depression, anxiety disorder, and post traumatic stress disorder. Now that's not to say in this ever changing world that. These things are um, are totally that men are totally immune to these sort of different things. I, I I think that would be a mistake to make that sort of assumption. I can tell you uh, with relative certainty, based on the individuals that I have talked to, that that is the mistake that often gets made. Somehow people think that we are processing the information better or somehow we uh, have been able to move past it or somehow we've compartmentalize it in some way. Um, I think if you're looking at this information and, you know, if you're looking at personal experience, I think what is happening is we may be processing the negative information different than women do, maybe processing grief different than women do. However, part of the main issue is that we aren't sharers the way that I think uh, women are. So what tends to happen is a male will keep it to themselves. A male will will um, will forego communicating, and will find themselves later on down the road in a very 
combustible and urgent situation. They will find themselves very angry or things will manifest in different ways. And so I think that we have to be very careful to assume that the father has somehow moved on or is the tough one um, in the relationship or in, or in the family because they're going through these things too. Over the next cup, over the next three weeks, we're going to have three different guests. Next week, we're going to be talking to a gentleman named Brad Tower. He is on our advisory board as well. He is a lobbyist here in Olympia. He's a fantastic guy. He's going to talk about uh, losing his three children in an accident and the emotions that came with that and what he still feels today. A phenomenal guy. He's going to be a great interview. We're also going to be interviewing Chuck Cope. The uh, father of Morgan Cope, some of you may know that name because we actually have an endowment fund for a scholarship for Morgan Cope, the For the Love of the Music scholarship that's done through the Washington State University Music Program. Chuck Cope, the father of Morgan Cope, will come on and talk about his beautiful daughter and um, how he's living life without her here. And then we're going to talk to our old friend, Pastor Jim. Jim Ford's going to come back in, and he's going to talk. He's going to spend a little bit more on his own personal experience with his loss. And again, talk a little bit about how he uses his faith to be able to do that. So um, we're really excited about this. There really hasn't been much out there for fathers or to talk about men and how they grieve and what they do. So that's what's going to make this one really, really neat. I'm very excited about it. Um, The only other thing I would actually tell folks to do, one last sort of nerd corner thing, if you're really interested in in looking at how boys develop, there's an amazing book called The Way of Boys. Uh, Go out and try and maybe take a – see if you can get a a copy of that. Might have to do it through Amazon right now because I think everything's going to be closed by the time you get out there. But so maybe even look at that. Uh, As far as uh, the upcoming weeks for uh, events – we got some bad news. I can't believe I am I'm in part breaking news here on the podcast, which is something we pre-record. But due to circumstances on the ground and uh, some of the recommendations that the CDC and federal and state governments have been kind of putting out there, um, we unfortunately did have to cancel the April 25th dinner and auction. Exactly. I hated it. But uh, it had to be done. We are not going to be the one event that gives everybody coronavirus out there. So uh, we did end up having to cancel the April 25th event. Not to worry, though. We are currently working on contingency plans. Raise for Own will be up and running, helping families uh, uh, find emotional uh, support and, and get their funeral costs paid for. Thank you. A huge thank you to the folks that came before me. Uh, Chris Hallett, the board president. Um, and the board and Bryn for being really great stewards of the money that was given to this organization while it was growing. You guys did such an amazing job uh, keeping the finances together, never getting never getting out above your uh, out above your skis, and it has allowed us as an organization to be able to prepare for for times like these. We make no mistake about it. We need all of our donors to, to to rally around us. We need your help making sure that we can continue our operations. But we're going to uh, get some online auctions. We're going to develop new events that will happen later on in the year. We're going to have other online promotions. We're going to do as much as we can to continue to help raise money for the families we serve. 
I kind of want to give you one last thing. I, uh, I, I hit on it in the daily quote, the faith sees best in the dark. I do think that we are in what can only be described as troubling times. This is, this is something that most of us have never seen before. Complete shutdowns of different sectors, people not knowing where money's going to come from, people losing money left and right in the, uh, in the stock market. Um, and then on top of that, it's the health concerns of those folks, our, grand, our, our parents and grandparents around us to make sure that they're going to be okay in these very fluid times. But I got to tell you, I think we can do this. I think we can all come together and make it through this together. I know we can. There has been instance after instance after instance throughout our time here together on this blue planet that we have been able to rally. We may fight with each other. We may complain and and snipe at each other and call each other names and all those sort of different things. But when push comes to shove and we need to get together, we do it. And we can do this too. Not only that, we, we owe it. We owe it to our angel families. We owe it to the families we serve. It's very important that we continue to do that. And yeah, that sounds like a lot of pressure, but sometimes pressure can be a good thing. Sometimes pressure reminds the fighter exactly what's at stake. So I want to thank you very much for continuing to listen to the podcast. We are going to continue releasing the podcast on a week-to-week basis. We're very excited about the grief and fatherhood episodes that will be coming out. So look for those. I want to uh, thank everybody for subscribing. If you haven't, do it. If you haven't reviewed yet, do it. I want to thank everybody for, for doing that. And I really want to thank the board and the staff and the volunteers at Raise for Rowan for fighting the good fight, sticking through it. We're going to make this together. Faith sees best in the dark. We'll see you next week, folks. Mm-hmm.